before, but I used to be called the Waco Kid. I was just walking down the street, and I heard a voice behind me say, Reach for it, mister. And I spun around, and there I was, face to face, with a six-year-old kid. Well, I just threw my guns down, walked away. Little bastard shot me in the ass. So I limped to the nearest saloon, crawled inside a whiskey bottle, and I've been there ever since. There's something about Gene Wilder, right? It's not just me. The guy had something special. Something so special that he was able to uh, reach out across uh, many generations of people that enjoy his work uh, a million times over. There's no doubt about it. Gene Wilder, a very interesting fellow, uh, a very rare one in the industry. We'll get into talking about that in just a moment. But Gene Wilder is just somebody that I have watched for many years since I was a little boy. Of course, watching films like Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. I think that's the number one. Uh, when you're a kid and you think of Gene Wilder, he's Willy Wonka. What a character. Gene Wilder had a lovable face and sensitive eyes. Some say he was his generation's Charlie Chaplin. And I found that interesting doing my research. There were a few artists in the industry that really believed that Gene Wilder reminded them of Charlie Chaplin. Now that is one hell of a compliment. There was a madness about him and a silliness. He was endearing and vulnerable. Now Gene Wilder, I don't consider him a movie star. Well, let's just say this. He didn't act like a movie star. He himself said he shied away from all the glitz, all the glamour, all the show. It just wasn't Gene. He was a sensitive guy, a caring man, very shy, so shy that he was afraid to give interviews in front of a group of people. And I saw him on an interview that he gave where it was just him and the interviewer. Nobody in the audience. They had it done specifically that way. So Gene would do the interview. Or he wasn't going to do it at all. Gene explained that he was so shy and nervous and scared, full of anxiety, that there was no way in hell he would have gave the interview in front of a group of people. He said, if I did come out here, I would have been... Shitting my brains out the day before. And just think, you doing me this favor, he said, you saved a lot of toilet paper. I love Gene Wilder. His career spanned over five decades. Some of his best work was in collaboration with two separate monumental talents. One being Mel Brooks. Brilliant. 
any other, Richard Pryor, another genius. Wilder is a comedic icon. That's a fact. Now, Gene never felt himself to be funny. I'm going to say that again. Gene Wilder didn't consider himself to be funny. I find that funny. (laughs) Now, I guess people would come up to him. Gene, do something funny for me, man. That'd be great. You know, just do something funny right now on the spot. And Gene would freeze up. I can't do that. That's not my comedy. I'm not good at that. Where someone like a Robin Williams, really good at it, can just come up with stuff top of his head and just be hysterically funny. Jim Carrey could do that as well. Um, A talent that not all comedians possess. Wilder found his comedy flourished when he had a scene to work with, a scene partner, a he, but motivation, okay, uh, preparation, and then the magic would happen. And then you would see my funny, he would say. He also had two sides of him. There was the silly side, okay, and then there was the soulful and quiet demeanor guy. But jeez. That, that one side could go crazy. The silly side. I mean, people would say it got so out there that he was a crazy maniac. It would just come out. And it would come out of nowhere sometimes. An explosion. Wilder took every single one of his roles and his ability to do them very seriously. He made them real. They were real to him. Let's just say he held his profession of acting in high respect. He gave his characters respect as well. It didn't matter the project and how silly it was. It meant something to Gene. Soft and gentle one moment, then angry the next. Coming at ya. Welcome back to the actor's room, everybody. Took a little hiatus. Took a break. Needed it. Had to sort some shit out. I'm back. Uh, Very close to stopping the show. Uh, It's at a a low hum right now. But I'm going to continue on. Uh, Very close to ending it, to be honest with you. But you know what? We're going to continue on. We're going to talk about Gene Wilder. Love this guy, always have. Um, and before I move on to Gene, I want to let you know that you can check my show out on the actors room I have a donate button on the show, it's on the right hand side. You go on there, you click it, and if you want to donate to the show a dollar, that would be fantastic. I would appreciate it. And my brother Dave, he would appreciate it as well. I think my brother is looking forward to doing some uh, new things with the show. Uh, We might still change the name name of the show. We might not. It might stay the same. The Actors Room. Um, I'm trying to think here if there's anything else I want to lay out there. Um, I have an Instagram account. 
I do have a Facebook page, which I need to update very soon. And I'm also on Twitter. You can go on Twitter and put in at Actors Room, and I come up. Uh, I have been recently going on Twitter, doing a few things, and uh, sending out some pictures with hashtags. I don't get much response, but you got to do these things, so I'm doing it. Uh, I hope all of you out there are having a great day, and I hope you enjoy this episode of The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and today we talk about one of my personal favorite actors of all time, one that I hold very close to my heart. I put him right up there with somebody like Jimmy Stewart, okay, for me, uh, Michael J. Fox. These are just class act human beings, not only very talented artists, but just top-notch, A1, fantastic human beings. And these are the types that I really enjoy talking about. Kind of came out of nowhere with Gene this week and diving into him. I knew a little bit about Gene, uh, about who he was, uh, especially his work. I think I've seen most of what he's done. I don't think I've seen everything. But Gene Wilder is somebody, like I said, means a lot to me. And as I grew up watching his work, I was always just so mesmerized, mesmerized by his talent. He reached out and he made me appreciate those movies. They left a mark on me. They made me feel good inside. He had the ability to create great characters. So let's go ahead and talk a little bit about Mr. Gene Wilder. He was born on June 11th, 1933, in Wisconsin. Uh, More specifically, Milwaukee. His real name is Jerome Silberman. And his mother's name was Gene. And his father's name was William. His father was a maker and seller of novelty items. Both sides of his family were Russian Jewish immigrants. The most significant part of Jerome's young life came at the age of eight. His mother suffered her second heart attack, and it was pretty bad, so bad. The doctors took the family aside, said, listen, she's not well. This heart attack, it was a bad one. So bad, we're very concerned about her surroundings. So the doctors made a point to tell the family to really be careful around the mom now. She was very sensitive to uh, stress. Okay. She had a weak heart. And Jean was told to really be careful. And the doctor also told Jean, little Jean. Now his name wasn't Jean yet. Okay. His name was Jerry. That's what they called him. His name was Jerome, and they nicknamed him Jerry. They said, Jerry, your mom is sick. She's fragile, right? We don't want to kill her. (laughs) Make her laugh. So at the age of eight, right, Gene has this goal here. Uh, He has this motivation, and that is to keep his mom alive by making her laugh. This is an important thing. Something that Gene 
sorry, Jerry, at this time, took to heart. He felt that if he could keep his mom laughing, he can keep his mom living. That's pretty heavy stuff. Deep stuff. He found in that reality his ability to be funny. Uh, watching his mother react the way she did off of him as a little boy, being silly, uh, trying out uh, comedic routines on her. She enjoyed it. She laughed. And uh, Jerry would go on to say that he would judge how funny he was by if she peed her pants or not. She would laugh so hard. She would pee her pants. And then he knew right then and there, I did it. I reached my goal. I made her piss her pants. True story. And then she'd be like, Jerry, look what you made me do. Now I have to go change my clothes. (laughs) Making his mom laugh actually gave him confidence. Confidence in himself to be funny. To do something. To make someone else feel good. Now Jerry had a hard time with anger issues early on. It was just in him. This anger thing. He claimed... That he would get mad at his mom once a year and let it out. I guess his mom, I'm just going to put it plainly. His mom was kind of a pain in the ass. She was. And she would get on little Gene's nerves or Jerome. But he'd bottle it up. Because he was told, don't make her angry. Don't upset her. You could kill her. So he would bottle all this stuff up. And it would come out once a year. And then, like, the mom would see how upset that uh, little Jerry was. And how sad he was. And she would actually apologize to little Jerry. Saying, I'm sorry I made you so upset. I'll try to be better. (laughs) But the relationship between mother and son, though, very interesting uh, relationship. um, Made Jerry feel confident in his ability To be a performer. Jerry's dad was innocent and naive. His mom artistic and temperamental, yes. And Wilder would say this about his mom as well. Quote, she was very loving, but oh, 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 so volatile. End of quote. Jerry remembers seeing his sister perform in a play when he was 11 years old. He was fascinated by the whole thing. He met the director and teacher that produced this play and just chewed his ear off about the play, about what acting's all about. He was fascinated by it. And he told this man, this teacher, this director, I want you to teach me how to do that. You know, be on stage. And the teacher asked him, how old are you? And he said, I'm 11. So the director said, well, I'll tell you what, come back in two years when you're 13. And if you're still interested, I'll teach you. I'll teach you everything you want to know. I promise. And Jerry stated that the day after he turned 13, I mean the very next day, he met this man and ended up studying with him for over five years. What a great story. He would also spend time at a military academy as a teenager. 
Now, these were not happy times for Jerry. He was actually asked by Dick Cavett during an interview about this experience, about being at this military academy. And he really didn't want to talk about it. You could tell. But Dick kind of pressed him further about it because he had heard stories about this academy and how rough it could be. And Gene took a moment before answering the question. And you could tell. He was on the fence about talking about it, but he eventually did. And he said, you know what? Yes, it was rough. It was. Um, And people would, you know, the kids beat me up. I got beat up. And he explained that he was the only Jewish kid. And he took his lumps. And he didn't know if that experience paid off one way or another. Because there's people out there, kids... They go through some rough times when they're in school. Some can take it one way or another. They could look at it and go, okay, that happened. And I'm going to tuck it away and use it. I'll show them. And I think a lot of artists take that attitude. Because they're so different, shy, so on. Most of them get picked on. Pretty harsh. They tuck that away, man. They remember it. They use it later on down the line. And Gene... He really didn't know if that experience sort of persuaded him in any way concerning his art. And from what I get, I believe him. Uh, When Gene Wilder says something, I tend to believe it. He just seems so honest to me. Like, here's this guy talking, okay? And he doesn't seem the type to lie about stuff. He doesn't seem the type to just make something up. Um, So his experiences as a child, getting picked on, all that shit, it sucked. But it happened at that part of his life, and he moved on. He's like, that's done, that's over, and I'm going to look forward and move on. Jerry spent uh, some time in the Army, and this was in the 50s. He um, worked at a mental hospital while in the Army, and says that He was mesmerized by the patients and how they thought they were other people. Like this mental hospital was filled with people that were truly insane. Believing that they were Jesus or things like that. It's very common when you've lost your mind. And he was fascinated. And I think he studied that behavior in a way or just took an interest in it. How these people really believed I mean, there was no bullshit. And he explained that being an actor, you're, you know, pretending and doing the best you can to be somebody else and try to do it truthfully. And when he looked at these uh, mental patients, okay, they weren't Jesus, but they believed it. And that sort of fascinated him. It was real to them. They really believed they were these other people. Um, Maybe he took that, okay, and sort of tucked that away as well. Something to sort of chew on when he did his acting, performing, um, things like that. I think Gene um, remembered that part of his life. I don't know how long he worked there. It might have been a significant amount of time. So a lot of character development, uh, watching, actors like to do that. Uh, As an artist, you study people. I think Gene did this at this time in his life. 
after the army. All right. He made a decision on to New York City to be the best professional actor he can be. Going to New York. And it would take 10 years. 10 years before Jerome Silberman got his very first break. Jerry was like any other struggling but aspiring actor. Young and dumb. Eating ketchup sandwiches, he says. Um, being unemployed. And then using the unemployment checks until they ran out. Being an actor was finding out what rejection was. And oh, do they. Oh boy, if you're not an actor, you're listening, you've never tried acting, it's full of rejection. Rejection, rejection, rejection. And if that's not for you, then acting is not for you. All the auditions and things and projects and yada, yada, yada. Um, someone like a Gene Wilder. It took him a while to get where he ended up. He never quit. That's what he wanted to do. That's the only thing he wanted to do. He loved it. He loved it with all his heart. That's all he thought about was art, uh, acting, uh, performing, painting, drawing, whatever the case may be. As long as it was art related, Gene was all about it. But I'm sorry. He's still Jerome at this time. He doesn't change his name quite yet. So he's still Jerome. Being rejected hurts. And after a while, it hurts a lot. But you got to hang in there, right? Always the next audition. That could be the one. Or the next audition will give me some work. I'll keep working. You got to keep working. Anything. Keep yourself busy. Always be doing something art related. Gotta work. And he also faced another roadblock. On his way to success. The simple fact. He thought he looked too Jewish. Even his friend. Charles Grodin. Who is a very strange cat by the way. I guess. Jerome and Grodin. Were buddies. Back in the day, man, in New York, they went, they did acting classes together, they auditioned together, they hung out. And uh, I guess Groden would be like uh, Gene or Jerry at this time. <laughs> he goes, I wouldn't get too fixated with becoming a movie star. And Jerry would say, well, why not? And Groden replied, because look at your nose. Wow, Groden. <laughs> wow. God, you know what? I hope he was joking. I'm sure he was. I'm sure he was. He, I tell you something, Charles Groden, different kind of guy. His humor, oh, wow. Way out there. You talk about dry humor. You go look up Charles Groden's work. And I actually do enjoy his acting. And his work. Groden, do. I think that I like everything he's done. Well, I've seen anyway. Very intriguing guy. Someone that I really don't give any credit. I don't want to say any credit to. Maybe not enough credit in my world. Charles Grodin. Someone to take notice of. If you're not familiar with his work. Look up Charles Grodin. You'll be 
pleasantly surprised. Jerry says that Dustin Hoffman, he didn't make it just yet. So he feared that being Jewish would actually keep him from his potential. So he decided to change his name, right? Why not? Jerome Silberman, bye bye So he finally decided on Gene Wilder. And I want to go ahead and explain how he came to call himself this name. Um, Gene Wilder. Okay. What is this saying? I have my notes here. They're so messed up. I don't know what I was smoking when I did these notes, by the way. They are fucking all over the place. I did this at work. I swear to God. I'm not smoking weed at work. Listen to what I wrote down. I just got to do this. This is so fucking stupid. I have... Okay. He finally decided on Gene Wilder after a fast-talking friend went... Oh, it actually does make sense. My bad. I just don't know how to read. Uh, Yeah... Okay, here we go. Probably going to cut that out. If not, kind of see this show as bloopers and the actor's room. (laughs) Clear my throat. The throat and stuff is getting better, by the way. Uh, Still struggling with the whole, you know, this time of year. See, as I say that, I, I get phlegmy. I'm finding that I get like this uh, phlegmy thing in my throat. Um, But this time of year, nasty. I'm actually feeling better. feel much better, actually. So I'm going to look at my notes here and see where I left off. Okay, we're talking about the fact that Jerome Silberman, right? That is his real name. Had to change it. Why? Because he felt... He was just too Jewish. He wasn't the first one to do this. Okay. Um, Jerome Silberman is not sexy. It's not Charlton Heston. Okay. Uh, Tyrone Powers. I mean, these guys had some really tough names. That's where he wanted to go. He wanted to change his name. Okay. He wanted to sound tougher than Jerome Silberman. So he finally decided on Gene Wilder. All right. So I want to talk about this story and how he came up with this name. And I like this story. I guess he had a fast-talking friend, okay? And he was helping him try to find a last name. This is how he did it. He started at A. He used the alphabet. He started at A and went all the way down the line, coming up with last names, okay? Got to W. And this was taking a while. Gene's probably like, ah, oh, fuck. We're never going to find a name for me. Got the W. And one of them, he's like, Wilder. He said, whoa, whoa. That's it. <laughs> Wilder. That's fantastic. We're doing Wilder. And I think there was um, somebody in literature, uh, first name Eugene. He liked the name. He liked the character. And decided to go with Eugene. Uh, And then decided further to just use Gene. And an also fascinating part of this story is that Gene Wilder uh, was in analysis for his anger issues. So he had a therapist. And when uh, he went to his session with his therapist, 
they talked about this name changing thing. And the therapist is like, a very interesting name. And Gene's like, thank you. And went on to explain how he came up with it and things like that. And uh, they went on the story about the first name. And Gene told a story about that. And the therapist is like, hmm, interesting. And Gene's like, what? What's so interesting about it? And he said, uh, the therapist said, and I think the therapist was a woman. Is she said, um, your mother's name. What, what was it? And Wilder thought about it. Just sort of like, huh. My mom's first name is, uh, is Jean. It's spelled J-E-A-N-N-E. But Jean, nonetheless. And then the therapist is like, very interesting. And uh, Gene Wilder himself was taken aback by that. And he goes, hmm, peculiar that he chose Gene. And his mom's name was Gene. It could be a coincidence. But these whole things with coincidence, I don't know. I'm not a big believer in coincidence, actually. Uh, Some people are. Um, It's possible, right? Coincidence. I think it's destiny. Uh, Hey, That's just what I believe. Coincidence? Nah. There's a reason, man. I think there's a reason behind most stuff. I really do. Gene Wilder was performing in a Broadway play with a woman named Anne Bancroft. Now, Anne, a terrific actress, by the way. If you've never seen a film called The Miracle Worker, I think that was the very first movie That, as a child, when I watched it, realized how fantastic acting was. Watching Anne Bancroft in that film was quite a sight to see. What an actress. And Patty Duke, man, the miracle worker. Brilliant work by both Patty Duke and Anne Bancroft. Well, she was doing a Broadway play with Gene Wilder. Guess who she was married to? Mel Brooks. So of course, Gene and Mel started a friendship. They weren't the best of friends, but, you know, Gene being in the production with his wife, they saw each other often. They joke around and they talked. Mel Brooks loved Gene Wilder's acting. He would sit in the audience and just be Pleasantly surprised at how good this guy was. The way he took in moments, took pauses. And his funniness was a little different from everybody else. He could be funny and serious. And it worked. It made sense. Mel Brooks saw something in Gene Wilder. He noticed that that gift, that talent, that genius. And he said to himself, and Jerry, sorry, and Gene... You know, I have a project in mind I think you'd be perfect for. And when I get it off the ground, you're going to be there. And Gene wanted to get into film. He had a taste of it. Uh, he did have a, a very small role. It wasn't a tiny role, but it was a small role in Bonnie and Clyde, I think. Yeah, with uh, Warren Beatty, right, and Faye Dunaway. He had a small role in that movie. Did very well. uh, Impressed some people. But it was a small role. He wanted to get back. 
And Mel Brooks is like dangling this idea, you know. I have this character for you. And uh, Gene's like, that's great, man. Let's do this. And Mel's like, okay, I don't have the money yet. But when I get the money, you know, we're going. We're going to do this. And Gene said, well, what's it about? And <laughs> now, mind you, this project was their producers. And he told them the story about this shitty play, right? <laughs> like the idea of the play is so shitty. Nobody wants to do it. And then later on in the film, there's a song and dance number that's called Springtime for Hitler. Gene stared blankly ahead and thought to himself, um, yeah, uh, good luck getting that financed. Guess I'll see you around, Mel. <laughs> Years passed and Wilder continued his stage career. Mel Brooks finally got the money he needed. Gene is one of the very first people Mel visited with the good news. Wilder was backstage in his dressing room, taking off his makeup right after a production wrapped. Brooks snuck up behind him and then threw the script on the table in front of Gene. Wilder flinched and looked down on his script. Brooks told him, read it. Memorize your lines. We did it, Gene. He was excited. He was excited for the project. Mel Brooks told this story, right? He told this story on The Tonight Show. The story about bringing the script to Gene after years. And how happy Gene was. And he really was. He cried. Actually cried. And he gave me a big hug, Brooks said. Gene wanted this role so bad. And his blanket scene shows how unique and explosive he could be. Gene Wilder, as Leo Bloom in The Producers, garnered him an Academy Award nomination. Mel Brooks admits that the blanket scene is a pinnacle in film comedy history. Gene reveals something to us in the scene, so rare and engaging. I guess it was take number three of that scene. That Brooks would actually use in the movie. It took three takes. And the movie itself is great. Of course. But it is Wilder's performance. That made it a classic. And Mel Brooks admits that. People that Gene would work with. In future projects. Would want Gene. To reproduce. The performance and explosion. That happened in the producers. Now let's talk about. That explosion for a bit. The producers. The blanket scene. He completely loses it, man. But in a funny way. It almost seems like he's forcing. Doesn't it? But he's not. That's Gene. He was the type of person. He bottled stuff up. All the time. He kept a lot of stuff inside. All the frustration, the anger. He had anger issues that he talked with his analyst about. He had a shrink, man, for a long time. The dude did have issues. But he did a fantastic job in bottling it all up inside. And when he was presented with the perfect moment to let it out, boy, you saw it 
And you saw it in that blanket scene, man. It's truly remarkable watching him like that. Nobody does it like that. Nobody. Gene Wilder is in a world of his own, man. He is in another, on another plane. When he goes there, he's able to do that. Very rare, very noteworthy. And I'm going to explain that later on. When he would do other projects with people, they wanted that that explosion. And Gene would tell him, listen, that, that's not an everyday thing for me, okay? That takes special nurturing, uh, the right atmosphere, the right people around me. It was the moment. And it was because of that moment I was able to let all that shit out. It just... And it came out with this beautiful, truthful. That's the key. That was truthful. And real. And it showed. That's what makes it so great when it's real. When you're not faking it. And boy, I can tell when it's faked. It's so bad. The brilliant ones, the geniuses, like Gene Wilder, Marlon Brando, Robert De Niro, Meryl Streep, Jessica Lange, Shirley MacLaine, the great ones, Jack Nicholson. I can go on for days. There's a lot of great ones out there. They're out there. Study them. Enjoy their talent. These are talented people. And talking about Gene Wilder brings that out in me. Just that that talent. Uh, his love for acting and performing in art in general. It comes through in his work. And it just makes you smile. It makes you feel something inside. That's what art's all about. It makes you feel something, whether it's sad or happy. It doesn't matter. It makes you feel. We need to feel, to be human. And actors that truly appreciate the art form and the process, of course. It's a process, people. Those of you who are actors, you know what I'm talking about. It's a process. You just don't wake up one morning and say you want to be an actor. You just don't do that. It's a process. It takes a lot of time, effort, time and effort, practice, studying, reading, uh, going out and seeing a play, going out to a show, any show. It doesn't matter what the show is. It doesn't matter. You'll get something out of it. Whether it was good or bad, there's something you'll get out of it. And someone like Gene Wilder, okay, he studied. Uh, He did 10 years of plays on stage in New York for years. Studying, practicing, finding out things about yourself. It takes time. And for Gene Wilder, it did. And when it started to happen for him, he allowed it to happen. Uh, He allowed himself to explode like that. If it was able to happen, he did it. And boy, did we get a special, uh, just a special talent with Gene. A very rare talent that, I don't know, I'm going on and on about Wilder, but he fucking deserves it, this guy. I mean, he really does. And when he passed two years ago, I was saddened by that. Big time. I was. All right. Ranted a bit, but this is a Gene Wilder episode, so that's all right. I'm going to look at my notes. 
All right, I think I'm on page three or four, something like that. We're on our way here. Okay, talking about the producers and the blanket scene, his explosion, freaking brilliant. Okay, the most... Okay, we're moving on. We're getting past the producers. Moving on to something else. The most recognizable character he ever played was in 1971, and that, of course, is... Willy Wonka, of course. Joel Gray, the father of actress Jennifer Gray of Dirty Dancing fame, was slated to take on the coveted Wonka role. But executives felt that Joel Gray wasn't tall enough. Joel, he was a little guy. Mostly did Broadway stuff, by the way. And then there were, of course, a string of other actors they considered until Gene walked in the room. The director said, quote, I knew it as soon as he walked into the room. He didn't have to say anything. End of quote. Then Gene Wilder went on, did his audition, did it well, and the director had no doubt. Gene said goodbye. And left the room. The director couldn't help himself. He ran after him. And before Gene got to the elevator. The director grabbed his arm. And begged him to take the role. You have to do it. It has to be you. Gene said he'd take the role. But under one condition. Anything. Said the director. Gene said. I have to limp. When you first see my character. The director said, what? And Gene explained, I have to limp and fool them or I'm not doing the picture. The director said, "Um, okay, fine. I I guess we'll give it a try. Uh, See how it goes. And the director couldn't believe how that scene worked out in the final product. Wilder wanted to let the audience know right off the bat that the first time you see him, You don't know whether to trust him or not. I love that. And Gene looked so far into that character. He told the director. I got to do this for me. I have to do this for me. As an actor. He was taking this seriously. He took all of his roles seriously. And Willy Wonka being a silly character. Right? You shouldn't have to give him that much thought. Uh, Yeah, Gene did. And told the director. If you don't let me do this where I. You know, he's got that cane, right? I love the part in the movie. The first time you see him. What an entrance. I love that shit. He's walking with that cane. It's real slow. And everybody's watching him. I mean they finally get to see Willie. After all these years. Okay. And he's limping with a cane. And everybody's like looking like concerned. He's going real slow. The cane uh, gets caught in one of the rocks on the ground. And it sticks. And he starts walking again. But without the cane. It's like uh oh. What happens next? And I guess he actually trained for a few days. On how to somersault correctly. And make it look really crisp. And it did. A hell of a little somersault. And he springs up. And everybody cheers. And he wanted to place into the minds. Of not only the characters on set. But the audience. It's like what's up with this guy? What an intriguing character. Willy Wonka. What a performance. 
I watched Johnny Depp try to recreate this. Didn't even watch it. All I had to see was his face. Ridiculous. The makeup and everything. What the hell were they thinking? And the way he talked. In like a few clips that I saw. All the previews. And I said to myself. And uh, there are performances of Depp that I do appreciate. Um, Big skeptic of him. Uh, But Burton I like very much. I love his work. How it's different. It's creepy. um, But I really do like Burton's work. This one. Epic fail. The Charlie Factory whatever. It was crap. I'm sure Gene Wilder didn't appreciate it. And I saw him in an interview. They brought it up. And you could tell. He didn't come out and say it. But uh, yeah. The translation that I got from Gene was. uh, Johnny I like your work. I appreciate your work. Big fan. But that was bad. Quite simply, nobody in the world could do Willy Wonka better than Wilder. Nobody. His acting in that movie, underrated. I guess he would scare the cast and crew on set with his acting and how crazy it was and how convincing it was. Especially the boat ride scene. If you remember on the boat ride, what a eerie Boat ride that was. All the visuals. The music. The way Gene acted. Extremely weird. He was freaking everybody out. The kids were frightened of Wilder. And Peter Ostrom. The guy who played Charlie. In the movie. uh, Grew close to Gene. During the production. Uh, Gene was very good to the kids. When he wasn't acting like Willie. When he was Willy Wonka, he was a character and he was strange and scary at times. Couldn't trust the guy. Peter Ostrom would be afraid of Gene Wilder when he was Willy. And as soon as uh, the director yelled cut and they were out of character, you got to see Gene again, right? And Peter's like, he was truly amazed by that whole process that Gene Wilder was able to turn it on and off. Uh, As soon as they yelled cut, he was Gene again. Uh, Some actors like to keep in character, even offset. Gene didn't do that. He separated himself and he did it well. And uh, I think that's a testament in itself about how good Gene was, I think. Able to use his imagination. And I think it's plain as day. The guy had a brilliant mind for comedy, drama, and just how he was able to create characters very easily. It made sense to him. Uh, I don't know how much homework he did, but he would think about it. Create. He was a creator. Gene was classically trained and also studied the method. And I love this quote from Gene himself about acting. Quote, When acting, be personal. Personal and specific. End of quote. He would say, you don't need a specific technique. You don't. And I agree with this. And the other actor that said this, uh, I highlighted a few months ago, Daniel Day-Lewis said the same thing. That it doesn't matter what your technique is. As long as it works for you, 
great. Laurence Olivier used his imagination to create great characters and give great acting uh, performances, right? Dustin Hoffman used a method that worked for him. If he needed to be tired, he didn't sleep the night before. And it worked, okay? doesn't matter how you get from A to B. You get to B, the final product works and it works for you, and the audience gets it. It's all that matters. Gene felt the same way. Um, he said that he would take many different techniques and then make it his own. Uh, there wasn't a specific one that he garnered or, or stood behind. It was his technique. Wilder also reveals a part of his acting that makes sense to me and how good and likable his performances are. No matter the project, how real it is, how silly it is, this isn't real life. You know, why am I taking this so seriously? And I mean taking on a role. But if the magic of if if you were Willy Wonka, what would you do? That's the brilliance of Gene Wilder. If. Out of nowhere came a phone call. And it was from Woody Allen. Allen wanted either Gene Wilder or Laurence Olivier to play a character in his next film. It was a love interest story. Okay. And the film is called Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Sex. The love interest for Gene, who eventually took the role... His love interest was a sheep. This Allen film is way out there. Okay. But Gene pulled it off. I loved his performance. He fell for a sheep. His reactions, though far-fetched, are comical and real. Those reactions of his in that film are priceless and noteworthy. This performance by Wilder is one of Ben Stiller's favorites of all time. You can hear Stiller talk about the fact that in the movie, Gene Wilder plays a doctor and a patient comes in, this older guy, sits down and uh, Gene's like, tell me your issue. What's going on? And the guy explains that he is just heartbreakingly in love with, you know, he's in love with someone that isn't giving him love back (laughs) or whatever. And he says, well, that's a common thing. So, you know, you know, you'll be fine. You'll get through it. And the guy says, no, there's something more to it. He goes, okay, what is it? He goes, I'm in love with a sheep and Gene Wilder, the doctor. That he gives, I think Ben Stiller said he timed it. 29 seconds of reaction that Gene gives the guy who says, I'm in love with the sheep. He took it in, processed it in his body, mind and soul in 29 seconds. Gene Wilder was able to do that. Uh, Even Mel Brooks said when he worked with him, he was one of those rare talents that had the great ability to use pauses, moments of silence, worked in this guy's favor. He made the silence work. He took it in. Took his time. Processed things. And fell in love with the sheep himself. Later on in the film. I saw this a few years ago. Because I was. 
actually uh, doing an episode on Woody Allen about a year ago. So I revisited it then again. And how strange it was. And Gene says, I had to be in love with the sheep. And he goes, and I was. It was a beautiful sheep. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, the movie, if you want to check that out, it's called Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Sex by Woody Allen. Gene also enjoys to paint and has been doing it since he was 15. He enjoys working with watercolors. It's just him and the canvas. One or two hours of silence with him in the canvas and he swept away. Creating beauty. Art is about creating beauty, he says. And if you're not creating beauty, then why do it? Though Gene had success with the producers and Willy Wonka, he feared that it was not going to last. So he decided to write his own characters and do it his way. And then play them himself. Why the hell not? This is a talented man. He's a creator. Gene wrote Young Frankenstein. The first draft was iffy at best. And he would collaborate with Mel Brooks with the writing process. They worked on the story together. But before Mel and Gene produced Young Frankenstein, Brooks asked Wilder to help him on another project. Blazing Saddles. This is my wife's Amy's favorite movie. I think. She has favorites. But I think Blazing Saddles is number one on her list. Wilder was to first take on the role of Headley, Lamar. But the original actor to play the Waco kid got very sick. I guess this guy was an alcoholic and decided to go ahead and quit drinking right around the time the film started shooting. He was like foaming at the mouth, this guy. And I guess the story is that Mel Brooks yelled, Action! And the guy starts to act in the scene, doing the scene, starts going through withdrawal, starts foaming at the mouth. And Brooks is like, Wow! That's incredible! (laughs) You know, what a method. And then realized after a few moments, the guy was dying. He was going to choke on his foam. Foaming at the mouth, man. What was this guy doing? Drinking three bottles a day? Jesus. You needed to be in a hospital, man. Jesus Christ. Probably scared the living shit out of everybody on set. But this was good news for Wilder because he got to play the Waco Kid. And Mel Brooks would say that he was very iffy about having uh, Gene do that role. He felt Gene looked too young and too Jewish to play the cowboy. And realized how stupid I am. He did a great job. Because he's a great actor. And I think that Gene Wilder proved to Mel Brooks you should always go with the talent. Don't underestimate talent. After Blazing Saddles was over, it was back to work on Young Frankenstein. And Gene would sit down and write it. And then he would give it to Brooks to look over. And uh, Brooks would be reading it going, yes, 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 
No. 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 There was just about as many no's as yeses. Mel would come back and be honest with him about the script. Those two, Gene and Mel Brooks, they work so well together. And it shows in the project Young Frankenstein. It's a classic and it's timeless. It's a piece of art. I watch it yearly and I adore it. Even my kids love it too. There are many quotable lines from the movie. And my personal favorite is put the candle back. Just one of many priceless quotes from that movie. Roar, roar, rolling the hay. Had to do it. Sorry. I don't sound like Terry Gar. Maybe a little. Okay. Gene Wilder will fully explain that he tries to keep the lid on his acting. And I want to explain this whole lid thing. He says that when he acts, he tries to keep the lid on. The top, right? Of his head. (laughs) He tries so hard to keep it closed. But realizes, guess what? It's not going to stay closed, man. If he's doing his job and doing his acting the right way, preparing, doing his homework, being in the scene, taking it seriously. That top, it'll explode off his head. Because it all bubbles up. And you get that beautiful thing that I went on and on about about a half hour ago. I won't get into it again. But I just wanted to point out that in the process of him doing his role and acting in the role, he contains it or tries to. He actually does. He doesn't want it to happen. And when it does, it's truthful. So he holds back in acting. This is extremely hard to do. They would teach us this in acting school where they would get you on the verge of crying and then they would say, but hold it back. Hold back the cry. Not an easy task. Here's another great quote from Gene Wilder. Quote, I was driven by a very private angriness. End of quote. Blazing Saddles and Young Frankenstein were both released in 1974. Both, of course, huge successes. Hot off of these two pictures, Gene and Mel wanted to get started on their next project, but it never got made. And I find this to be intriguing, this project. They wanted to do Jekyll and Hyde. Just think about that. This would have been so great to see. Wilder take on both personalities. He would have nailed it, man. It's just too bad that it didn't happen um, to see that because that's what Gene was. He was kind of a Jekyll and Hyde. Mostly Jekyll, but sometimes Hyde would come out in his work. Then came a new partnership for Gene. And this partnership was between Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor. This is from Gene. Quote, The real love story was always between Richard and me. End of quote. Blue streak. Stir crazy and see no evil, hear no evil. Need I say more? There are clips of Gene Wilder that I've seen in his dressing room chair uh, getting makeup put on him to perform in, I believe it was Blue Streak. Okay. 
uh, where uh, Richard Pryor is uh, putting on the uh, makeup to make him look black, and he has to act black so they can get past the cops and everything. And Gene is obviously having a good time, relaxed, and explaining that Richard understands his craft. Uh, They work well together because they're on the same page. Wilder says, you work with an actor on a film, right? And it's okay. And you work with another actor, and they're fine. And then you work with someone else, like Richard. And there's fireworks. Gene Wilder fell in love with the talent and chemistry he experienced with Pryor. There was uh, something special between these two um, and uh, it was sort of like a, a sexual thing, Gene said. Uh, there had a sexual undertone to it. It was sexy to them. Um, of course, Richard and Gene are not homosexual, but that doesn't matter. I have seen actors like Sean Penn fall in love with his co-stars. I've seen it. And Sean Penn as well. is not gay. It doesn't matter. I'm saying that to, to make a point that um, falling in love can be done on many levels. Okay. Um, and Gene said it was sexually because um, it felt that way in love. Um, and wanted to um, explain it in a way. Of, you know, for him, uh, he fell in love with Richard in a way. A working relationship between the two of them. And another note here is that Richard and Wilder, okay, Pryor and Wilder, they didn't hang out, okay? They weren't friends. They worked extremely well together and things like that. But when the film wrapped... They went their own ways. They didn't get together for lunch. They didn't spend holidays together or give each other Christmas presents. It was a working relationship. They both confirmed this in, uh, in an interview. Both of them are sitting right next to each other. And Gene explained the whole thing, saying that they almost felt that if they got involved offset and say things are going great in a friendship, and it does, Sometimes you run into problems in a relationship, a friendship, and it creates friction. Gene didn't want that to happen. That if they had to work together again, that could be damaged. That fire they had between the two of them, that connection, the love. It wasn't sexual. He was making a point that the spark thing, sparkiness, okay, the spark thing that you hold with your partner. Uh, that gets you excited. It's a sexual thing. Whether you want to believe it or not, it is. And it makes you feel something inside, the fire. And that's what Gene Wilder would feel with Richard. The passion was there. That's why it worked. And that's why we fell in love with those two guys. I mean, you got to admit it. I mean, they did some of the best comedic duo routines in the 70s, period. It cannot be denied. 1982, Hanky Panky. Okay film. But this is where Gene meets the love of his life, Gilda Radner. 
I guess the first time Gilda met Jean, they were on set, and she cried all the way home later that night. She told Jean this about a year later. Jean asked, "Well, why were you crying? Were you like afraid of something? Were you scared?" And she said, "No, not at all. Actually, I I wasn't scared." She said, "I was so full of emotion, knowing that I just met the man." I would spend the rest of my life with. God, I'd love that. The two became inseparable. In my favorite film they did together was Haunted Honeymoon. I just love that movie. I I want to watch it right now. <laughs> oh God, that's funny. Oh, a funny film, an under the radar type film. Go watch it this Halloween. Haunted Honeymoon, man. You won't regret it. You won't. In 1984, Woman in Red with Kelly LeBrock. I liked it, and Kelly LeBrock is gorgeous. Good job, Gene. Really good job in the movie. Gene Wilder explains love versus art in acting. But Gene and his love are in trouble. Gilda was diagnosed with cancer. She fought the fight. For two long years, Jean was always at her side, rooting for her, and he believed that the cancer was temporary. She beat it. She passed in 1989. She was 42 years old. Fuck, I'm 42. Wilder was crushed and fought for ways to bring cancer to the brightest of lights. Gene would go on to raise millions for cancer research. Of note, and this is a big one, you could witness Mr. Gene Wilder use his hurt from losing Gilda in his acting in the film "Funny About Love." There's a scene in that movie where his wife is leaving him. Jesus H. Christ. He gives a moment of vulnerability that's so pure, so gentle, so sad, and he later says that this was a bit of therapy for him.、Uh, he never really had the chance to really say goodbye to Gilda in his heart, and in that scene, the floodgates opened. He gave us his truth, and he gave it to art. Gene Wilder in that moment couldn't stop crying, and when they yelled "cut," the crying continued. Wilder was nominated for two Academy Awards: 1969 for Best Supporting Actor in The Producers, and in 1974, he was also nominated for his writing in Young Frankenstein. Gene Wilder didn't act in movies. After this, he really didn't. He did a few projects, but mostly、uh, television work and stage work. Of note, he did try his hand at a sitcom called Something Wilder in 1994, but it lasted only one season. But he did adapt a few plays on stage. He always loved the theater. The theater proves to possess life all on its own, and this appealed to Gene. He never enjoyed the Hollywood scene. He wasn't a part of that bullshit, and I say bullshit 
because that's exactly what it is. A fake town full of fake faces. A dangerous place. And Wilder wanted nothing to do with it. He is your rare person and talent in show business. Believe me, I'm not making it up. Take this to heart. When you watch Mr. Jerome Silberman, a.k.a. Gene Wilder on screen, you see him. He was able to show his true self to us. And what a sight to see. Gene said, making people laugh is a beautiful thing. A friend and colleague had to say this in describing Gene Wilder. Quote, he was a treasure and a pleasure. End of quote. Thank you, Gene. And before I end this episode of Gene Wilder, I want to go ahead and reveal a story that Mel Brooks said in an interview about Gene. Uh, I think it was after he passed. He told this story about Gene. He said that while they were wrapping up the film Young Frankenstein, last day of shooting, they're wrapping it up, Gene looks over at Mel and says, Why don't we write one more scene? What do you say? You and me, get down and dirty. (laughs) Write one more scene, and we'll work on it for a week. What do you say? And Mel's like, we're done. I'm not writing any more scenes. It's over. I wrapped it. Why would you want to do that? Gene said, because I don't want to go home yet. I love it here. There you go. Just because Gene Wilder got away from Hollywood didn't mean he got away from his art. He wrote constantly, finishing several novels. Thank you for giving us those wonderful characters, man. And Gene was always flattered by his fans coming up to him on the street, gushing about his characters, about Willy Wonka. And he loved it. His art touched people. He shared his love with us. Thank you for doing that. That will never go away. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Actors Room. My name is Jeff Tarowski, and I hope you had a great day. This episode was fun. Gene Wilder, one of my faves. And it was great talking to you about it today. Go out, see a movie, see a play, go to the art museum, appreciate great art. I hope it's a part of your life. It should be. uh, It makes life more interesting. It makes you appreciate life just a little bit more. Bringing out emotion. Bringing out feeling. God bless you. Have a good one.